Before we get started, we usually ask this to everyone we interview just to kind of get ease into flow of conversation. But Randy, what is your favorite film? Or if it's too hard to pick, a film that you really enjoy watching? I know the answer. I know the answer. How about how about you pick a different number? What's yours like what's your like sixth favorite film? Well, or, I haven't looked for a Let me see if I have my list real quick. <laughs> maybe, okay, maybe a film that you really don't like, a film that you despise. Oh, interesting, right? But like, it's so bad, it's good. I don't really believe in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I don't, you, know, like, you know, people like... love watching films that are bad. Um, I don't like that. Um, you mean you don't I like Sharknado? I get why people do, but I don't, <laughs> I just think they're bad. Um, or I see that they're not so bad and I feel sorry for them. Um, like what was what was that movie that for a while was like the hot stupid film troll 2 like i saw it and i'm like well this i mean people think it's the worst film ever and it's not a good film but it's like interesting and like clearly someone put a lot of effort into it and sort of had a some sort of crazy system so i always think that's not always the way i feel but i don't know what number six is you know i think hovering around favorite six is probably like carrie and um i think maybe carrie is probably around number six I haven't looked at the list recently. Anyway, my I, when I was a kid, um, like when I was watching videos all the time, like VHS tapes, the film that I saw, my friend and I both agreed, it was the worst thing we watched during that time. It's a horror film called House. Have you ever seen it? It's like from 1986. Mm. It's with William Catt, who was sort of the greatest American hero. It's a show in the early 80s. I have heard of that. And, and he, um, he gets a house and it's, and he, I guess, is also like a Vietnam vet. And it's haunted by sort of his memories. And uh, he keeps flashing back, but the house, he sleeps going to the, his memories and they sort of infect the house. And at one point there's this creature that looks kind of like Miss Piggy that runs around <laughs> and is sort of chasing like the demons of his Vietnam <laughs> memories. And it has like three or four sequels. So it, it came, I remember my parents watching House 4 on HBO and I'm like, why are you guys watching this? <laughs> and it came out on Laserdisc, House House 4, I remember seeing it. So it, it's, I probably should watch it again to see if I maybe got, get something out of it now that I didn't then, but I always thought that was the worst. Hmm. But oddly enough, both Carrie, the film I said was probably number six on my list and House, William Cat is in both those films. Oh, wow. I don't need to do that. <laughs> well, what do you know? Clearly, it's not his performance you hate. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> name another, another film he's in other than those two, so. Go figure. Hmm. I've, never even, I've never even heard of the guy. I know we got to get on with this, but what's going on behind you? It's, are those like a series of machetes or whatever? Oh, um, lightsabers from top all the way down to here. And then um, samurai sword, Bushido, pirate, and then sting from Lord of the Rings. Oh, nice. Yeah, so a little bit of sword collection going on. Right. Well, excellent. I do like collecting as well. Maybe there's something from House you could get. <laughs> Is there a sword in House? No. Oh, but okay. Maybe that Miss Piggy costume or whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bite Size, the limited podcast series accompanying the Reality Bites Independent Student Film Festival at Northern Illinois University. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ben Rayside, joined by your other co-host, Emily Freed. Emily, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing very well. I'm very busy. Um, we're recording this the the first day of festival screenings, so we've got a lot going on today, but it's very fun and very exciting. How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, I'm right in your camp, obviously. We're going to emcee this event tonight, and we're finishing up. I think this is our last interview, and I'm really looking forward to it. That is for sure. And we are not alone. Um, joining us today is a very special guest, Randy Casperson. He is a professor of media production at NIU and a professional filmmaker in his own right. Additionally, he is one of our longtime judges at the Reality Bites Film Festival. How are you doing today, Randy? I'm doing all right. I'm happy to be here and to talk about I don't whatever we talk about today. I will <laughs> say not to step on any questions, but in not last not the last few years because reality bites has been online um although i did i think announce awards or something last year but when it's in person in the past few years before the pandemic i am seed so i'm glad that it's in good hands this year and that actually on the ride home when i was thinking about what are they going to ask me about i said you know dr vasquez always has me mc i think to give some visibility to the media studies area and other than her. But I'm always like, why don't the students do it? So I'm glad you guys are doing it this year. I'm glad as well. Can you give us a little background about yourself? This can be where you grew up, where you went to school, but it can also include teaching and professional experience. I've sort of always liked TV a lot as a kid. And then my parents got H. How long is the story going to be, Randy? I liked TV a lot when I was a kid. My parents got um, cable and HBO when I was about um, 1981, so I was eight. And so I was always glued to the TV, much to my dad's sadness. And then I, you know, I watched a lot of videos and things. And then around 15, I realized that you could make movies. Like I didn't, I knew people made movies, but I didn't know that was like a job. I always thought I'd just be a teacher. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but, and then got involved in video making and, at high school and then went to my undergrad in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it's the only film school in Wisconsin is UW-Milwaukee. Uh, got tired of Milwaukee as many people get tired of their hometowns, wherever they're from. <laughs> and wanted to move you know, to the big city. And I moved about a year after I graduated uh, to Los Angeles. That was not easy being in a whole new big place and also just finding work in the industry. I eventually ended up on a long time gig after having all sorts of interesting jobs, both media and non-media related. Um, I ended up on the show Judge Judy and eventually worked my way up to being a segment producer. But I got a little bit tired of being in reality TV and kind of wanted to go back to school and maybe teach. I also wanted to learn narrative filmmaking. So I went to grad school and ended up at Columbia College, Chicago, where I um, got my master of fine arts. So I could teach and then made a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but uh, three or four of my own narrative films and then worked on a lot of other people's. And then became a visiting professor at Northern Illinois University, which is where Reality Bites Film Festival is. And I've been there so 10, here 10, 11 years now. Um, I make all sorts of films. Um, I'm not limited to like a lot of people make documentaries or they make narrative films. And I make all those things, um, probably because I went to school twice and I like all kinds of filmmaking. Um, currently, I've been making the last few projects have been documentaries, though I did squeeze in a narrative there and I will be making another narrative. So I like those different, they're not really genres, they're sort of forms of filmmaking. I often favor projects that have uh, strong female characters or sometimes um, queer characters. So I guess that's <laughs> that's my timeline a little bit. How did you get started with Reality Bites? Well, Dr. Vasquez um, created it. Man, you guys probably know. Every time I would MC, I'd always be like, how many years has it been? And she'd always be like, 
<laughs> I don't remember the exact year and I'm like, really? Um, but I think now it's, I think she started around 2000 ish. So I think it's like at 22, 23, 21, something like that. Um, do you guys know? Um, yeah, it's, it was 2001. 21 years now. In any event, she started it. When I came on, it was already, she had already figured out the formula because that would have been 10 years into its run. I've only been involved, one year I did actually participate in the class like you guys did. So it was me and Dr. Vasquez. And, but I always go to the event. Um, I always, since then, um, when we worked together that one year, I've judged um, usually the narratives, but not always. Sometimes I've done documentaries. And then I've often emceed. So I start the program. I talk a little bit about its history. I've missed it the past few years. I think it's really an important thing to have that kind of um, thing on campus where students are seeing other student filmmaking and also understanding what it takes to run a festival because it's a lot of work even though it might seem like oh you're just putting on you know 20 films as if they just come to you on a plate as if there's no time involved in putting all that together or getting people to come to the screening that's been my involvement i can definitely agree that it takes a lot of time to put this together i mean this year we watched almost 80 films i believe in a span of two months which is a lot <laughs> and they keep getting longer and longer and longer so hence why our festival is so long this year we have a lot of 20 minute long films but it, it is very rewarding like even though we're very busy right now I still think it is it's really exciting to be able to see all of this come together you mentioned kind of your experience as a judge could you give a rundown of kind of how your judging process works at least in the case of reality bites how many films are you shown and you know what i'm gonna repeat that question just because you know what is the process of how you know the judging process because i know that certain festivals might present judges with different things a different number of films or maybe different categories or maybe you know a specific criteria list they have to look at um but could you give us a rundown of how the judging process works at least in the case of reality bites you know how many films are you shown and what criteria do you like to focus on yeah you know in any given festival there's tiers of selection and judging so i you know i imagine you, you guys probably all watched almost everything that came in and had sort of voting on that and then sometimes those go to another pool of people after there's been a selection and they get to pick some um and that's not unlike every other festival right there's kind of tiers to things um usually at rally bites i don't see anything till and so i think already been through all the students and then maybe even a, a judging panel and i see like the top five or six in say fiction or in documentary this year it was it was narrative or fiction films and i just have those five or six films to watch i go to something called film freeway which is where everything's hosted nowadays used to be something called without a box but now film freeway is the hot engine for all the film festivals um and then you just i just get them and i watch them and this year i think i was the only judge of the final vote Sometimes in years past, it's been me and another, say, say, alumni or faculty person, either in media studies or somewhere in the college. And we both kind of shoot our numbers at each other. And we're like, well, which one did you think was good? And I have to say, I always get my way. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, and then I just watch the films. Um, I don't watch them in any order. I try to, you know, I look at the running times and kind of pace myself. I try to sit, watch them all in a sitting. Um, but that's not always possible. But I always try to kind of watch a long one and a short one, a long one, a short one. 
What I'm looking for with fiction, especially, and um, you know a little bit about this because you've had narrative script writing for me, and I really believe it. Um, it's not always the hardest and fastest rule, but I'm still attracted to really a story with a single protagonist with a goal um, and looking to make sure they change. Some shorts, even though they have good production values, um, they have interesting things going on. Sometimes they try to stuff so much into 30 minutes, even though they have feature instincts, right? So you meet like seven characters and it's kind of interesting, but it never really quite feels like a complete. I see a lot of those and I think we saw a few of those this year, which were interesting. Um, but I'm always attracted again for the short form, um, sort of a main character with a sort of clear problem or issue that they're trying to work through, whether they know it or not. And then they sort of find something at the end that changes them or um, they, you know, they transform a little bit. Uh, so I often look for that. Randy, I know you said that you've created, you've created narrative short films and had some experience with that. How does that inform the way you judge a movie? Like, does, can you put yourself, can you put yourself back into the situation of when you created it? Does that help you see certain things? Well, I'm a teacher, so I'm constantly putting myself, I guess, in that position, not necessarily for these films always, but that position in general, where I'm trying to be sympathetic to like the filmmakers needs. Some of the films we watch have better budgets and production values than anything I've done, right? Um, but again, I'm still, um, that's all good and nice, right? But it's still, you always come down to like, that just makes it easier to judge how good the story is um, and whether it affects you, right? Regardless of how well done it is. Um, and I still come down to like, do I like the story? Do I like the characters? Mm. Am I following their journey? And am I attracted to that? And good production values and um, performances help all that um, and, you know, deliver it better. But if they don't have that central thing, I still struggle. And then there are things just as a artist and as a individual on this earth there are certain things i'm always attracted to more than others so if there's a lot of violence or um sort of <laughs> toxic male characters i'm always a little resistant um whereas if it's you know a little more diverse or um like i said earlier like if it has a strong female character i'm often more sympathetic and that's just i think that that isn't about quality that's just about taste and personality a little bit especially when you're sort of Judging the first round, I, I remember really being, trying to be sympathetic, especially if something was half good or sort of interesting to, to sort of giving a little more latitude if um, you could see that they really put a lot of time into either the production value or they had a really good idea that they were just trying to figure out how to use a camera to make or, you know, kind of giving some of the benefits of the doubt, doubt. Although I will say on the student film, even though these are student films, a lot of them are as good as, um, you know, grown up, non-student professional filmmaking shorts. Um, I ran into that when I was making student films, you know, a lot of times uh, my films would play with, you know, bigger budget or professional short films. Um, so, um, and that's the case with a lot of the film schools, not only in the country, but internationally, if they do really great things, which people would see, will see tonight um, and tomorrow night if they come to the festival. I haven't seen any of this year's documentaries. I assume it's the same with the documentaries too. But the fiction films, the narratives definitely have those qualities. Yeah, so what advice would you give to student filmmakers who are trying to get into filmmaking or submit their first film to a film festival? Well, those are two different questions. Then we can um, start with the first one. 
The first one I get into filmmaking, I mean, I guess like with any art and it is an art, it's also a craft and ultimately could be a profession. Um, I think just doing work is important. That can be hard because it takes a lot of time and you fail and you make a lot of mistakes and sometimes it costs money. But, um, you know, to make films, whatever that means, you know, it's easier now than ever. When I was a kid, you had to like rent a camera and buy a camera and, you know, $300, $1,000 and film stock was something and that was $18 a roll even before it was processed. Now you can have a phone and get a really good image. So it's accessible in that way, but you still often need a good idea or you need, and or you need, um, it's not a bad idea to have a friend or a few friends to help. It's not easy to make a film by yourself. It's not hard to get a shot of something, but if you're gonna do a narrative or a documentary, you need usually at least one, two, three other people to help you with some of the technical aspects. But also um, if you're gonna do like a story, you need someone to be in that other than you. Um, and so figuring all that out, it's sometimes good to have friends. I do have um, a few students who sometimes have a like high school friend group they make films with. And I always think that's sweet and um, useful to them um, to sort of figure out a, a collaboration. So I think wherever you're at is to maybe find a few people who like to do it too and start figuring out what you want to say um, and just create, right? Just make things. It's hard to do that sometimes when you're in a school structure without always feeling like you're being judged and graded and you always have to succeed in order to get the grade, but um, it's too bad. We I figured out how failure could be a bigger part of that formula, but I think just doing it and practicing it, it, it it's ultimately um, my pure advice for like, if you want to really make, and you have to not attach always, this is a lesson for myself too. You don't always succeed in big ways, right? You're not all going to make the, you know, Ben was talking about Lord of the Rings earlier, or at least pointing to his weapon from Lord of the Rings. Um, but, um, you know, no, no, most people aren't going to do that, but there's all levels of media making that are powerful, whether it's an interesting documentary or a long form, short form narrative film. If it's a really cool little show you have on YouTube that you do by yourself or you and another person do that you have weekly episodes of or whatever it is, or if it's just something you make for your family and friends to watch, um, there's all levels of it that you can do now um, and can be successful in their own way. Um, so I think it's really powerful um, to make films and some are more for an audience than they are and some are smaller and meant for a smaller audience or for me and <laughs> you know a very small audience um, but figuring out all those levels is important now your second question was yeah film festivals. So, yeah so let's say you have a student or a group of students who have now actually made their first film what advice would you give to them on submitting their first film to a film festival i've been on I've judged other film festivals other than Reality Bites. I've submitted to hundreds of film festivals. I've been rejected by hundreds of film festivals. I've probably been in almost a hundred film festivals. Um, the point of the film festival is really to get your work shown. That's the point. Um, there's all sorts of ancillary <laughs> reasons. Sometimes if being in a film festival can lead to other film festivals can lead to some press exposure. It can lead to distribution. I've had all those things happen. And I've also not had any of those things happen from a film festival. And all that's important. For academics, it's good to be in film festivals. It's sort of the equivalent of publishing. I guess the students should think about why they want to be in a film festival and what they hope to get out of it. If they just want a film, their film to be seen, which is the purest reason to make something, to share with an audience, 
um, it's important um, to get it out there. Um, a film festival can help with that. It's got to be the right film festival, right? It's got to have the right, all film festivals have a personality. So I would suggest if someone wants to do something like that, they troll something like Film Freeway every single listing. Um, it gets easier the more you kind of go through it. Uh, but um, to see, you know, what are the, what kind of films has that film festival shown? Um, how much does it cost to get there? What do they offer? You know, it's a little, it's changed a little bit in the last two years because you used to always have to go to the film festival and they're all around the country, even outside the country. And sometimes they offer things um, in terms of uh, artist experience. Um, so we've been online for the past few years. So there it hasn't been a lot to do other than Zoom kind of panels and um, streaming show, uh, movies. Now we're getting back to more of an in-person model where again, maybe people will travel more. So does a student or group of students wanna do that? Do they want distribution? Do they just want their film seen? Um, are they really hoping for a distribution deal? Are they hoping for a um, once in a while a short film is interesting or successful enough that maybe it gets something like a, well, we're interested in a feature version. Those are all big dreams. Um, but again, managing your expectations isn't a bad idea, which is like if your goal is purely to get it shown, maybe in a certain region of the country, maybe to a certain kind of fan, like if you did a horror film or a fantasy film or whatever, there are festivals geared towards different genres. Or I've done a lot of, I, my work again does a lot with queerness. And so I've been in a lot of gay festivals, um, you know, and that's important to me to, to create those kinds of images for um, gay people because I feel like I missed them out, missed out on them growing up. And that's why they exist, a lot of festivals for representing different ethnicities, representing um, women, queerness, um, different religions, things like that. Um, about getting different voices out there. So I guess what I would advise is like the students should really have a good idea why they want to be in film festivals rather than like I heard it somewhere and it sounds like a cool thing. Like really what do you do you want to find an audience and what do you want beyond showing it once, twice, seven times throughout the country. Um, and maybe that's enough. Maybe it's enough to want it just to be seen in a, you know different venues. Or if some of those other things happen, what exactly are you expecting out of it? It can be a lot of money. I was telling my class yesterday, Emily, I think you were there, um, that like with my last film, which is showing at the Egyptian next Tuesday, um, Egyptian theater, I know this isn't necessarily going to a DeKalb only audience, but with my last film, I, I don't know how many films I, film festivals I submitted to, but um, it was, I think $1,200 in just submission fees. Um, and so, you know, and it got into a, you know, a, a, a good number of things, but a lot of them, you know, you just aren't going to make the cut. Um, I had one film could get into 45 film festivals, right? And that was a lot. That's the most ever for me for a single film to the point where I got kind of tired. It was like a part-time job managing that film. Um, but in any event, um, yeah, I guess I come back to like, just what are your goals? And then obviously how much money do you really want to spend? Because for every $30 you spend to get into the festival that you hope to get into, there's going to be six festivals you didn't, you spent the same amount of money for that will, will, will reject you, you know? Um, and because they have to, they see a lot of good stuff. You know what it's like, you probably saw a few things that maybe some people wish had been in there that you couldn't accept. Yes. Too many um it would have been a much it would have been a week-long festival if the good ones were actually in there and they weren't three Isn't hours long already? every night 
it kind of is what it is and and you know but there are some really really good ones that are going to be shown both nights that i'm very excited about thank you randy for speaking with us today we're very grateful to have had you on this podcast you're a great resource as a teacher and educator as well as a filmmaker and someone who has a lot of experience in this industry so thank you so much for giving us your voice and your opinions and your ideas and i hope that someone else out there who is listening to this can take some advice away and and can get a better idea of kind of what they're looking to do and what kinds of things they should think about when it comes to filmmaking. Thank you, Emily and Ben, for having me. And um, good luck tonight and tomorrow with the festival. And I will see you there.